We're four episodes deep. It's okay. Yeah. Seven. Well, I mean... Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and overlooked records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm Sean Hartman, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, former cult leader Jeremy Ruggles. Hello. Step into the light. And uh, celebrity discards authenticator Peter Cook. Yes, I'll take it. (laughs) Good. And uh, once again, same as last week, we are... Joined by our special guest, traveling vintage typewriter salesman, Katie May. I'm just your type. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, What is it like being a uh, traveling vintage typewriter salesperson? Is the response generally favorable? Okay. I go door to door. I tell people, I've got this new piece of technology. It's a typewriter. They look at me. They look at their computer. They look at me and they are like, I simply cannot afford the ribbon and close the door. So it's not an easy life, but I'm very passionate about it. Very passionate. And, uh, you know, what a great way to listen to some obscure music on the road, you know? Yeah. I'm going to own this. This is not actually what I do, but I'm going to own this. Good. Click clack. Well owned. What did you bring for us, Katie? The album I chose this week is Synergy's 1978 release, Chords. Sean actually recommended it to me, I'm guessing because I'm a synth player that likes listening to synth-based music. I particularly like this album because it's quite like a score to a video game with epic peaks and musical structures that you just don't hear much outside of classical or melodic metal. Before I dive into the album too much, let me give you all a little background on Synergy. Synergy was the name given to Larry Fast's synthesizer music project. The project lasted for 12 years between 1975 and 1987. During his time with Synergy, Fast released six albums, has since released compilations, and even a film score for the movie The Jupiter Menace. Fast's career has taken him into work with popular artists like Nectar, Peter Gabriel, and Holland Oates. Larry Fast, (laughs) he's pretty cool, guys. And I've never heard of this before. I've seen this album a million times through the store. It has kind of a captivating cover where it looks like a naked guy in a city being wrapped in an electrical current, like lightning or something. And when I saw this in the store, I thought it was going to be some type of jazz album or something that I wouldn't be into, or it was going to be one of those synth albums where they're showing the capabilities of a Moog synthesizer using covers of classical music or Bacharach, kind of like switched on Bacher, switched on Bacharach, great stuff, but not really what I'm into. So when Sean said that I might like this, I definitely wanted to get a better look into it. And I got this for only 50 cents. <laughs> um, Where'd you get it? I yeah. got it from Sean's garage. Can you plug your the name of your garage? Boy, I sure can. My name is DJ Hard Bargain. You can find me on Discogs or come to my house, also known as our P.O. Box. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're getting a little more specific there. Find me on the internet. Buy records from me so I can keep doing this podcast, I guess. I don't sell 50-cent records online, though. you got to come out to the garage for that experience. All proceeds go to I'd buy that for a dollar. Kind of. Is that true, Sean? <laughs> All proceeds from your record sales are going to this podcast? It's going directly to a trust fund for this <laughs> podcast. When this podcast comes of age and is finally ready for the responsibility. How does your family feel about your... <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's cool. We'll be fine. Good? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway. All right, so, uh, which I completely feel you guys will be going on tour soon enough, so the sales from Sean's Garage will go directly towards gas. Keep that in mind, y'all. If you haven't su- subscribed already, subscribe now. Before we get too much on what the album is about, like the history of that, let's just kind of get on that level. We'll start out with the opening track on Presuming to be Modern One. the word cinematic gets overused in describing music which i mean like i've definitely done that as well but like man that record has a cinematic feel to it yeah you can as you've mentioned while we we're listening to it the logo and the title card oh, it out. just feels like you're sitting in a theater watching whatever like the movie studios logo and then it transitions from the intro to the next track and it's like you're watching like the opening credits while some stranger is like sneaking through a poorly lit alley or something like that it's when a like, stranger calls yeah yeah this definitely has a very like george lucas ron howard fantasy movie feel mm-hmm. to it but i also really like it because it's around the same time that john carpenter was writing scores for things like halloween and these types of scores were using a lot of synthesizers at the time and this is all original music part of this 12-year project that I am talking about. And it's really interesting because 
At the time, there was this classical clash with music and rock music, too. You saw it with bands like Electric Light Orchestra, where they were pushing strings and classical homages in this music and stuff. But this is taking it to a different level. I mean, this music was used in video games. This music eventually was used in L. Ron Hubbard videos and stuff because it takes you to a very science fiction, I don't know, plateau or something. Mindset. Yeah, you're like on a different planet for a second if you close your eyes and just kind of get lost in it. I listened to this and it's just blowing my mind. I had no expectation that this is what I'd be hearing. I also was not on drugs, but like felt like I could immediately visually see textures and shapes in front of me. And I thought maybe I was being tricked into like, you guys were trying to induce flashbacks or something and mess with me somehow, but this uh, was the record she picked and it wasn't a trick. So I'm glad it wasn't a trick and it's cool. What is that called when you see colors is it like synesthesia? Yeah. Yeah. This seems like the type of record that would induce that. Yeah, you could just easily visualize your own laser light show to this album. I was doing dishes while I think I'll often be doing dishes while I'm listening to these <laughs> <laughs> uh, previewing them for the program. And I had heard this record before and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that later, but I hadn't listened to it closely in a long time. And I started to get to have flashbacks to being a young person playing RPG video games back, back in the uh, late eighties, early nineties, like Shadowgate early Final Fantasy, stuff like that. There's those scores, those musical scores seemed largely informed by this kind of music. Definitely. I mean, it was something that people were recognizing when the first Synergy album came out, it made waves. And in that first year, Larry Fast was being asked to do a world tour with Nectar. And he was being asked to perform parts with bigger bands and I'm trying to find the name of it now. There was another project that he was working on as he was starting this called, I think it was the Intergalactic Touring Band. And it was just kind of this super group. Um, when Fast realized, or first released his first album, Electronic Realizations for Rock Orchestra in 1975, and his next release, just one year later, Sequencer, all instrumentation was made with synthesizers. The first album even states, and no guitar, or nobody played guitar. The second album reiterates, still no guitars. But by 1978, when the album that I'm referencing, Chords, came out, it did feature guitar work by Pete Sobel. It said these little boasts were tongue-in-cheek comments made by Fast as a retaliation to Queen's remarks about not using any synthesizers. Yeah, I talked about that when we spoke with Earl a few weeks ago. Chords got started in the late summer of 1977. Fast was running late on his deadline for another album through Passport, but had become incredibly busy working on Peter Gabriel's first solo record. A spring and summer tour with Nectar and a new supergroup project they put together by Passport called Intergalactic Touring Band. One of the pieces of the new album's construction fell into place in 1977 during the Audio Engineering Society convention at the Waldorf Astoria in New York. 
Russell Oham delivered a technical paper on his development of a digital pitch extraction device for guitars, allowing them to control analog synthesizers. So this is why Pete Sobel ended up being on the album. And it was something that was really incredible how much insight Fast had into this new type of music that he was making. He was on top of the technological advances in his own industry. And he's even been awarded for such things after the fact. But this album is super interesting. Actually, you know what? Let's listen to another track. Let's try the first track on side two, a small collection of chords. What a rocker, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Katie, I got a question for you. What was this guy's background before the Synergy Project? Because I know that a lot of the early synth pioneers actually came from more of like a broadcasting and engineering background and weren't so much musicians, just people that were just really interested in the technology and wanting to create something from it. Was he coming from that school or was he a musician before this who also just loved new technology or what was going on? He mentions on his website that he was part of some other groups, but he doesn't really say which groups when he's talking specifically about his albums. He kind of alludes to it. But in a 1999 interview with Barry Cleveland, he expressed his fascination with music and technology started at a really young age. His grandfather on his mother's side was a mechanical engineer and the young fast loved playing with robots. He would often play with switches and circuits and he even built his own home radio when he was very young. And I meant to learn a lot more about fast uh, and his upbringing but let's just treat it like it's some biblical character and pick up the story when he's like an adult. <laughs> Fair. When I listen to this music, it's like you're saying where you feel like you're playing an RPG game, an old video game or something. When we were just playing that last track, it's definitely like you're in the marketplace about to get a quest to get rabbit <laughs> pelts or something like that. And... The whole album has that feel to it. And all of his work really does when he's doing the Synergy Project. Things that make this album especially interesting are his commitments to the album. It is cinematic. The first and second track bleed onto each other. A lot of the tracks do. And it's cool because he wanted to use all of these new technologies that were coming out, all of these Moog synthesizers and modulators and he made a commitment to himself that he was going to do the first layer of tracking at home 
before he took it to the studio so that he didn't have to re-record a bunch of things. And there were all kinds of advances in being able to record things from home and take them to the studio and have it be a universal thing. So it was pretty cool. He was living at a house in New Jersey, in Chanham Township, New Jersey, with members of Nectar. And that's where he really attributes the Synergy Studio starting is in this one bedroom that they made into a makeshift recording studio so that he could start working on these tracks for this album. It's funny, I Nectar were living with him. I could be mistaken, but I think they're a German band. Yeah. They are? Okay. I did find this album at Corner Records Shop. Uh, I may have been the project that Sean talked about in the very first episode of the show where we were going through the bins trying to figure out what we had that weren't the hyped records, you know, all the extra stock. And I remember, you know, this was probably for, priced at 4 or $5. So, you, you know, I wasn't on the tip of you getting the mad 50 cent deal. <laughs> but, yeah, it was such a good deal. You guys should check this Discogs page out or just go there. And so I was really excited because I heard this and just thought, this is this incredible synth album. This goes deep. I really... Yeah, video games or drugs can come from, you know, from this experience listening to this. And I was just blown away that it was, you know, it's such a uh, inexpensive cost for a record like this. And I was ready to get it home and put it on the turntable and managed to destroy it in the process of taking it home. I left it in the car on a hot, sunny day mm. and came out to find a warped, copy of synergies chords and and it was not salvageable in my estimation so and yeah. i've never replaced that copy so I, when i as soon as i saw this i went yes thanks for the reminder <laughs> thank you katie gotta get that well, back we almost had a similar moment today i work for a pizza place and i deliver pizzas and i needed assistance bringing so many pizzas out for this order today and the person initially put the pizzas on the record and I was like please don't do that and then they (laughs) apologized to me a whole whole lot I don't even know if they know that much about records but they definitely will be warped by pizza so just know that so the more it seems like this album is inclined towards destructions (laughs) yeah so be careful if you pick up a copy of this this album may be haunted (laughs) it It could be no it definitely is look at the the cover i think you briefly touched on it but it's definitely haunted yeah i mean so once again it is a naked man in a cityscape there's an electrical current kind of wrapping around his body and he is see-through so you could say he's a ghost you could say this is an explanation for ghosts in this album, just listen to it. And if you play it backwards, there's probably something that also explains ghosts. Um, <laughs> just more ghosts. This particular issue has a gatefold. I didn't do proper research on the many pressings of this album. But when you open up the gatefold, there is, I'm assuming, Larry Fast with some really cool sunglasses on, flannel shirt, the electrical currents going around his head like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And he is also in a city. So there you go. If you see this album, definitely pick it up because this album, unlike maybe some other albums, will only bring up weird conversation, things that make you feel really nerdy at heart, things that make you feel like warm and comfortable with your friends that you can admit to liking this. But there is also this aspect where if there were some chanty lyrics or something over top, then it might be that exact song from Mandy 
If you know, if you've seen that movie and you're familiar with that part, if you haven't, you should. It's a good movie. But there's also this kind of folky, uncomfortable music that's played. And this kind of reminds me of it where it's like almost medieval, the way that he's using these synthesizers to replicate flute sounds and these old instruments that you don't hear in orchestra pits or whatever anymore. Yeah, that's just my opinion on it. I'm glad you brought Nicolas Cage into this. Okay, so it's easy to actually bring Nicolas Cage into everything, but you have to practice restraint. And I just want to apologize to any listeners right now that I made uncomfortable by referencing Nicolas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) The only disclaimer we've had for any of the content on this show (laughs) is the mention of Nicolas Cage's existence. Whoa, Whoa, guys. I have never misfiled anything! Get ready for the comments to blow up. All right. Is there another jam you'd like to play? Another rocker? You know, I would say that you just choose any track off this album and it will be a rocker. But for now, let's go to Terra Incognita. told you rocker so (laughs) you weren't lying no i was not 
Fast is an incredible musician. During and after Synergy, he was actively involved in other projects. Here's some other projects that he was involved in. He worked sporadically with Nectar. He was known for his work with Peter Gabriel. He contributed to the 1977 concept album Intergalactic Touring Band on Passport Records. Played the Prophet Synthesizer on Kate Bush's 1980 Never Forever. Awesome. Produced Canadian progressive rock group FM 1980's uh, City of Fear. Contributed music to Carl Sagan. Uh, in his 1980 oh, television show Cosmos, Cosmos. yeah, hell yeah, provided That's... additional synthesizers on Foreigner's 1981 album Four, nope, and Foreigner's 1984 album Agent Provocateur, yeah, nope, not in, not down. Played synthesizers on 1983 Bonnie Tyler's single Total Eclipse of the Heart, all in, which we all listened to the last time that there was an eclipse when we were out on the beach looking at the sun directly. Collaborated on the 1980s pop music project EMCN. I <laughs> we don't know what it is either, do we? Yeah, produced, I, don't, I don't know. I'm sure produced and performed synthesizer on Annie Haslam's 1989 release, Annie Haslam, along with David Bryan, composed, arranged, and performed the score to the 1992 film Netherworld. Helped create the music for Tokyo Disney Sea at the New Walt Disney theme park. Toured and recorded with bassist Tony Levin, as well as Levin's Water of Eden band, and then toured with Tony Levin's band in 2006. So pretty much the takeaway is that Larry Fast is a fucking G. Synergy is awesome, and I don't know why it took me so long to get it turned onto the project. Though this album isn't a rock and roll album that I will be listening to as I ride my element into the sunset, it is incredibly innovative with technology of its era and is ahead of its time with its sound. The sound of Synergy became what we think of uh, with synthesized 8-bit music for video games, but we hear it all the time now in modern electronic music. I was listening to this and I thought to myself, how crazy is it that you will hear this sampled in modern electronic music and stuff sometimes and you just don't know it. Like you're at a festival, like you're sweating and you hear like these weird pan flutes and you're like, where's that from? It's from this. It's crazy. I know I recently, fairly recently, watched a documentary on Suzanne Chiani, who is an electronic pioneer wizard, and she did a lot of, she has her music that she makes for, you know, for her albums, but a lot of commercial stuff that she did as well. By that, I mean for advertisements and whatnot. Do you see whether Larry Fast got into that at all? I know that he has been involved with other projects like doing film scores mm-hmm. or being picked up with being picked up by things like I said Cosmos and movies and TV spots and stuff but I don't think that he ever got into like a more commercial position. Yeah, it seemed like with her story that was just kind of out of necessity of you know being an artist that sold a minimal amount of stuff of her own material so I was just kind of wondering if that was the common case with I mean I feel like as a Wendy Carlos probably primarily did film scores i think yeah film scores and broadcasting and commercials and stuff was a really common avenue for some of these early electronic folks to get some actually money coming in yeah i don't really know because when synergy came out it really got picked up by these underground artists through passport and stuff or not underground but these other artists through Passport, they wanted to work with Larry Fast. So, And he was a smart guy who was able to use this technology to boost his career. I don't think he ever 
was wanting after Synergy came out. He like never did anything that he didn't want to. Well, I saw that his albums were charting, like they yeah. were on the Billboard Top 200. Yeah, I feel like it was somewhere in the mid hundreds or something that his first big hit from the album. It's cool, guys. I have it all written down. And when he put out electronic realizations of or for rock orchestra in 1975 that's when he got picked up and that's where i think his first hit was and that was just the title track off of the album it's on wikipedia y'all want to look it up yeah look up more about larry fast actually he does have a website that he wrote everything himself so if you want a biography on larry fast which is a very interesting thing but i have to warn you he's one of those math guys so it's kind of like a boring little bit like it's very very interesting and he's a super cool guy and you listen to the music and you're like what a cool guy i wish i could talk to him but maybe it's like a lot of text if you're not a big reader <laughs> too long don't read yeah and it's a website that was established a little while ago so Please tell me it's a GeoCities kind of vintage. To it's it. like synergy-emusic.com. That's the website. Check it out. It's kind of like a flash-based website, but I don't think it's ironic. Going back to like the kind of record collecting angle with this group, this is one of those bands that you see all the time, and it's really easy to think like, "Oh, this must not be good." Because I don't see any other synth records, or you might even know that it's a synth record. That's another thing with this. This is filed in so many different places in record stores because i think if you look most of these records up on discogs it'll be like rock electronic <laughs> experimental classical like it has all these things and no one knows where to put it if you never sticks. actually listen to it so yeah I've, I've seen this in rock sections i've seen it in jazz sections sometimes stores will actually have a like synthesizer or electronic music section it might get put in like the edm section or something like if you just don't know where to find it and it's weird because it's very similar to a lot of other stuff that everyone's looking for now. You know, it's, it's got that tangerine dream element. You can't buy horror film soundtracks for cheap anymore, like at all. Any uh, soundtrack that's like synth heavy in general is getting more and more hyped and more and more expensive. But these synergy records are still cheap and everywhere. And I know, I don't know why, like well, it doesn't make, really make a lot of sense, but now that you know, they're good, you can find those on the cheap. Yeah, and Katie mentioned uh, John Carpenter. I think this came out the same year as Halloween, mm-hmm. or 1978. Yeah, so it really, the production feels and vibe are, are similar, but he's off on his own trip. Yeah, I mean, I guess at times it's like, this music is a little goofier than some of that yeah, stuff. For sure. You know, the stuff that sells the best is stuff that's like really dark and moody all the way through. And this has those elements at times, but it also has some like really fun tracks. So I don't know, maybe that's part of the reason why it hasn't aged quite as well value wise but i don't know we all like this record and hope that you do as well katie you're smart at finding records will you help our dumb listeners figure out how to find records like a smart person like you well you should never be afraid to ask for assistance if you don't know what to look for if you're trying to find something new and that's the promise that you made to yourself when you walked into the store then you can go and ask somebody hey, this is what I'm into. Do you have anything in right now? And a lot of places will have a referenceable inventory that they can look up and find things in a genre that you like. Otherwise, definitely 
listen to an album before you buy it if you're unsure about it because you don't necessarily want to spend five dollars on something and find out that it's something that you don't like a lot of places like sean's garage um (laughs) he has a turntable there that you can listen to the albums before you buy them and make sure that it's something that you like and a lot of record stores will do this but if they don't have that option, a lot of these albums you can find on Spotify and just listen to a short little blurb of it before you take it home. And like, if you are into something, don't ever be afraid to look that up and see what else you may like based on liking this artist. Sources like Google Play or Spotify are pretty good at honing in on things that when you listen to things like Synergy that you might like things like John Bolton or craft work or things like that and all of those things go just together really really well they're all using synthesizers and just like be brave don't like spend money that you don't want to spend but also don't be afraid to try new things early on in my record collecting i don't remember who it was but i remember someone telling me that they have a rule their whole life of collecting albums every time they went to a record store they bought one record that they knew about and one thing they'd never heard of before coming in and I mean, you can go about that, like just going in blind and like, all right, buy this and see what I think, or, you know, listen to a bunch of stuff you haven't heard and buy one thing you know and one thing you don't. There's also someone had talked about once that's like a, their like date night idea is they just, they go to a record store and they only listen to stuff that they've completely never heard of before and just base it off of, you know, stuff that looks cool. And then they go home with that new record they bought and make dinner and listen to the new record together. And I was like, that's fun. That's (laughs) super cute. I remember people doing that often when we were working at Satellite together where I wondered why they would go there and be on like some date night together. Because most of the time it was just people harshly criticizing the covers of albums that they were pulling out. Yeah, yeah. We had so many like first dates at the record store though. That was just... (laughs) wonderful and painfully awkward at the same time to watch that go down sometimes it seemed fine they're getting to know each other and talking about bands they like but i feel like the majority of the time it was like the girl pulling out a record and be like oh i like this one the guy be like oh that one's not very good let me tell you about better music (laughs) (laughs) that happened just way too much oh my god yeah and then you get some couple they they're out on an early date and then they Decided they pick a record together, and it's like uh, Richard Thompson, Richard and Linda Thompson, shoot out the lights, which is the nastiest breakup record ever. (laughs) (laughs) Foreshadowing. It's not always a good idea to buy something based on what the cover of the album looks like, but sometimes it can be really rewarding. For example, when I saw this one in stores for so long, even though everything about it in hindsight says you're probably going to like this album and it's electronic. Like this guy is being electrocuted on the cover. Like it's electronic. I was just like, no. And now I'm like, yes, give me more synergy. I feel like that was all that they were ever trying to teach me in business school. Give you more synergy. Yeah. Bring on the synergy. It's true. Well, you just mentioned about a couple buying like a nasty breakup record accidentally. That reminds me of a question I've had for you for a long time, Peter. I DJed Peter's wedding a while ago, and one of the few selections he had for me was NRBQ in my car. Driving in my car. Which, tell me if I'm wrong, that's a song about him missing his ex. Yeah. Is that an appropriate wedding song, and why did you pick that? (laughs) (laughs) 
and did Ellen know what the theme of that oh, yeah, song no, was? I, I, you know, it's a song that we both really like, but I, it's funny because while I was dancing to that song, and I think you played a live version of it, while I'm dancing, I'm, I was thinking, you know what? This might not be a wedding appropriate song, but it's catchy and you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny because Fiona Dickinson had played a different NRBQ song during the ceremony. I love her. She loves me. Much more appropriate for a wedding. Totally. I'm just trying to get all this NRBQ in there, and I guess at least I didn't pick me and the boys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I had the uh, presence of mind not to ask you about that, like, during the wedding. But I have wondered that before. And, like, while I was making the playlist, like, this is a really strange pick. And Peter's, like, a lyric guy. Why? <laughs> I feel like you waited a tasteful amount of time to ask this question Thank in you. a completely appropriate avenue. Yeah, on a podcast. Yeah, well, I'm, so. and I'm glad we cleared the air on this. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I did think about that in the moment, and then I just let it go just as quickly just i mean i'm sure no one else noticed like you said it's a catchy song well notice it's all they talk about yeah that's all that <laughs> anyone's been talking about since the wedding <laughs> so katie how somebody uh ask her what her pluggables are in a smart way hey so i don't mean to interject here but i've got a lot of stuff coming up i'm in a band called katie needs a life and we're going to be putting out an album in 2020. That's pretty much everything that we've been playing for the last 10 years, but finally on one album. I'm also in Jake Simmons and the Little Ghost playing keyboards. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but part of my attraction to this album is finding out that Larry Fast was doing a solo synthesizer project and he made it work and kind of turned it into more than just a solo project. And I didn't realize that Though I've never heard of this artist before, I am very influenced by this artist because he has been so influential to so many artists that I do consider to be that to me. If you're interested in knowing more about that, then you can go to katieneedsalife.bandcamp.com and all of the music is free. And Jake Simmons and the Little Ghost.bandcamp.com where you have to pay for the music, but it's worth every penny. <laughs> Your choice. Yeah. Which one's a better value? I mean, really, you can like, Leave it in the comments if you want to. Does he have anything for a dollar? A track. A track? I could just get one track? Yeah. I'd buy a digital version of that one track for a dollar. For 99 cents, even. (laughs) Both groups are going to be working on new material this year, (laughs) and we're going to be putting out new albums. The Jake Simmons and the Little Ghost album will feature two new musicians, as Reggie Page and I have joined the band recently. It's going to be so big. It's going to be so rocking. Like, you know, do you like the boss? Do you like Bruce Springsteen? Well, let me tell you what. Jake Simmons and the Little Ghost. That's it. That's funny. We uh, brought up Springsteen two weeks ago with Earl. And he's still working on, on the boss. He's still working on the boss. He's, but, he's not my boss. Uh, me and Sean are all in on the boss. Are you all in on the boss? Yeah, Peter? for the most part. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, absolutely. No, how can you be for the most part all in? Are you all oh, in All in the for the boss. Uh, edit that out. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> he uh, is my boss, I guess. No, he's not my boss. He's the boss of us all, whether you like it or not. I mean, you can't change the, the way the world operates. Well, this has been another week of I'd Buy That for a Dollar. <laughs> my name is Jeremy Ruggles. My name is Peter Cook. I'm Sean Hartman. And I'm Katie May. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yep. Yeah, thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for listening to another fine episode of I'd Buy That for a Dollar. If you like that, 
and you want to talk to us about how much you liked it, or if you want to correct any of our fraudulent information that we just put on there, you can email us at idbythatpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, but not Twitter at idbythatpodcast. And if you really, really liked it and you've got some extra cash somehow, you can hit us up on Patreon. You can give us money. There's enough enough that you give us money. We might even put some extra episodes on Patreon just for you. Just only for you. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, 